You're listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Uh, so today I just want to talk to you a little bit about honor in the home, husband, wives, uh, patch some holes, uh, some things that have been on my heart from the other series maybe I didn't get out, from the other sermons that maybe I didn't get out to, to talk about today. Uh, but first, I, I want to I wanna open up with a, with a mother-in-law joke, but, but there's nothing to do with my mother-in-law. I just want to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> one guy said, I took my dog to the vet today because it bit my mother-in-law. His friend said, did you put it to sleep? He replied, no, I had its teeth sharpened. <laughs> Another one, Pastor Mark Hankins tells this joke. It's one of my favorite jokes. He said, he said uh, a son-in-law bought his mother-in-law for Christmas a cemetery plot, right, a cemetery plot. The next year, Christmas comes around, and the mother-in-law goes, they're opening gifts, and the mother-in-law sees there's nothing there for her from the son-in-law. Mother-in-law goes, well, you, how come you didn't get me nothing this year? He said, because you didn't, lose, you didn't use what I gave you last year. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Got to use what I gave you last year. <laughs> All right, it has nothing to do with my mother-in-law. Remember, I told you that. <laughs> Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. My honor in the marriage. You know, the backbone of this church are going to be families. The backbone of this church is families. The backbone of America, families. And that is, uh, it's been distorted, right? Uh, we know uh, it's just, it's been attacked, it's been distorted on every front. And so as the church, we need to do our job to teach along these lines. Um, because, you know, nowadays it's over 50% of divorce rate. 50%. That's crazy. Every other marriage is ending in divorce. Within, I think, seven years, something like that. Maybe even shorter, last time I checked. Um, and so, you know, I believe with some teaching and some, and some good examples, some of that could be turned around. You know, I never had anyone in my family, I mean, I guess my grandparents were the only ones that stuck it out. They were from the Depression era, World War II era, and they stuck it out, you know. Uh, but my father, my mother, they divorced. Aunt, uncles, divorced. Cousins, divorced. And if you've been divorced, I'm not condemning you. Uh, but we want to learn from these things, and we want to develop in these things. And so I never had any examples really to look to. So then when I met Sarah, I asked about her parents, and how long have you guys been married again, Pastor Henry and Marlene? 46 years this year. You know, so I can, I looked to that as an example. I said, man, uh, if, if Pastor Henry put up with Pastor Marlene all those years, I could put up with Pastor, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, she's like, it's the other way around. <laughs> I said, well, then I could put up with Sarah, no problem. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there, there, it was an example to me. I said, okay, this can be done because I thought there's no way it could be done. Like, uh, you know, at, at some point it's going to end bad. Like I always thought that's what it would be. You know, I just didn't know any better. But, I, you know, I had an example. And then the other thing that I learned in premarital counseling, which, man, this helped us so much. Uh, and, and some of you are married already. This will help you. Some of you want to get married. Some of you probably will never get married until you learn how to cook. But uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of you want to get, so everybody's at different stages, so this will help you no matter what. <laughs> uh, one of the things that the marriage counselor told me uh, that really helped our marriage, helped me especially, he told me never ever use the word divorce. 
He said, don't even let it ever come out of your mouth. It, it's not an option. Like, it's, it's never on the shelf. Whenever we're in a fight, well, I never throw out, well, let's just get a divorce. Because, you know, if you keep saying that, it ends up that way. <laughs> you know, she'll say it, really don't mean it, but then somehow, some way, it always ends up that way. So we made up our mind, we never, ever use that word. It's part of me honoring her, and it's part of her honoring me. We know that we're sticking this out. Come what may, we're fighting. Like, we, we got to get counsel. We have to go talk to somebody. Whatever we have to do, this is going to last. We made up our mind from the beginning. You have to make up your mind in your marriage that no matter what, we're going to fight. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stand in the trenches. We're going to talk it out. We're gonna, well, we got to fight it out for a little bit. We're going to do it. But we're never even going to let divorce come out of our mouth. Amen. Remember that, single people. Remember that, those of you in your marriage, uh, to never allow that word to come out of your mouth. It doesn't even go in my mind. It never even, it never even in the beginning it did a little bit. I'm not going to lie. No, I'm just kidding. It never did. It never did. <laughs> it helped me. And so, you know, I, and, and what am I telling you? I'm telling you, with teaching and examples, things can change. That's how my mentality, that's how my paradigm shifted. I had an example of people that stuck it out. And in this church, we have multiple marriages that have been going on for decades that you can look to, that you can glean from, that you can learn from. And then with teaching, when I learned different things, like never to use the word divorce, the other one that I learned, which we'll get into here in a minute, might as well just say it now, uh, the men is the, is the head of the house. Oh, let's just go there. Let's go there. Go to, um, go to Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Other versions say, for the husband is the head of the household, as also Christ is the head of the church. That verse right there, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, the, the head of the household. I went out to lunch with Pastor Mike Shepard, who was the staff pastor at Joyce Meyer Ministries. So he, he, we worked for Joyce for a number of years, and Pastor Mike Shepard was in charge of pastoring 500 and something full-time employees at the ministry through their marriage problems, through whatever they were going through. He was the man. And so I always admired him. I admired his marriage, and, and they'd been married a long time. And so I said, can you, do you mind going to lunch with me? I'm getting ready to get married. I just want to ask you questions. want to know, you know, what's the secret to the longevity uh, in your marriage? And so I did that. We went to Starbucks, and he said, Pastor Joe, well, I wasn't a pastor. He said, Joe, he said, he, re he read the scripture. He said, you're the head of the household. He said, you are the head of the household. You're the head of, uh, 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 of your wife. He said, that means you're the first to repent. I said, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear, man. I wanted to hear I'm in charge. I get to, t I get to dictate what's going to happen around here. <laughs> he said, nope, you're the first one to build back the bridge of mercy. You're the first one to say, I'm sorry. You're the first one to come back and say, you know what, how do we make this right? That falls on you as the head of the household. I'm telling you, men, that falls on you. Come on. Uh, single men, that's going to fall on you when you get married. As the head of your home, as the one who leads your home, you're in charge of going and making peace in your marriage. It's not easy. It's not easy uh, sometimes, you know, uh, when, when you've done it, you know, multiple times in one day. Uh, <laughs> multiple times in one day, you're like, now nah, I'm done doing this, man. <laughs> you know, how many times I got to do this? When's she going to come apologize to me? She's over there waiting, knowing I preach this, knowing that. And, she, I'm, she <laughs> and, and the devil a liar, right? The devil's a liar. 
But how many know that's pride? Like, who cares? Like, I have to put that down. I have to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in humility. If you're, if you're a relationship, if you're going to honor your wife, you're going to honor your husband, you're going to need a lot of humility. A lot of humility. I'm going on 10 years, which I never thought was possible. 10 years going on. Amen. In 10 years. August, uh, yeah, this August will be 10 years, right? I told my mom, I said, Mom, next year, 10 years, uh, I've been married to Sarah. She goes, man, she put up with you for that long? I said, what, what are you talking about, Mom? <laughs> yeah, you've been patient. You've been real patient. Um, and so you're the first one to build back the bridge of mercy. And, and, and you know, uh, we've learned, not, and the Bible says, not to go to sleep angry, right? Not to, not to go to sleep uh, still, uh, you know, uh, uh, with, that, with that animosity. Now, you may have to shelf it to the next day, but we've made it a point. I, I don't remember the last time this has happened where we've gone. I don't, I'm sure it's happened once or twice, but we, we endeavor. If it's got to be 3 in the morning, we'll say, all right, what do we got to do to make this right? And, and we'll hash it out, and sometimes we'll say, okay, let's leave it right here. We'll pick up in the morning. But we won't go to sleep with that you know, that animosity towards each other. And I'm not sleeping on the couch in my own house. I'll tell you that right now. And neither is she. She's not sleeping on the couch in her own house, and nor should she. And so that, that, that's another thing that I would, I, would, I would counsel against. Now, there are times I get it when you may need to go to the other room to get some air. But as far as sleeping, sleep in your own bed, men. Sleep in your own bed, women, no matter what's going on. Amen. That'll help you. That'll help you. And so humility. The Bible says that he gives grace to the humble. You're, you're going to need grace. Grace makes hard things easy. Come on. And he said he resists the proud. So when you get proud, no, I ain't going. I'm not doing that. No, I'm done. I've been. Man, that, he said he resists that kind of person, that kind of attitude, that spirit. Now, I don't need God resisting me. I'll tell you that right now. I need grace. I need help. Oh, I need mercy. I need forgiveness. And so if I'm going to need that, I better sow that. Amen. I, I, better, I better be quick. To, to, to be merciful, I better quick to, to, to show, to show uh, uh, mercy and, and, and err on the side of mercy. Pastor Jeff Allensworth was my first pastor. He always said, err on the side of mercy. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is to err on the side of judgment. I'm going to be honest with you. What are you doing? No, 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 no. And, and what's the consequence? Like, you know, no, you know just, just, just judgment, judgment, judgment. Man, if I turn that back around me, I'll shut that thing off real quick. <laughs> Right? So that's all I have to think about. Like, man, do I want to be treated that way? Is that how I want to, 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 to feel when, 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 when I make a mistake? No, I don't. I need God's grace in my life. Humility. So, you know, I make a lot of mistakes. I have made a lot of mistakes. I'm getting a lot better. But I realize I better be really good at repenting. Come on. If you're going to make mistakes, you better be really good at repenting. <laughs> really sincere. With not, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. It, it, people know when you're sincere. I'm sorry. Well, you ain't really sorry. How do you know? <laughs> because your attitude, because your voice, your body language. But when you come, go low. When you got to repent, go low. I'm telling you, man, go low. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but I ain't doing that. Go low. What do I mean by that? Go the extra mile. If you feel like you need to go to this point, go to this point. Amen. And going low. And you're repenting. And your spirit. And your humility. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and this is how you honor. This is part of honoring your wife. I'm not, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to get you ladies too. My wife's like, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep reading here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing 
of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that they that, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That is so important right there. See that she respects her husband. Respects means that you accept somebody for who they are. And, and I'm not just saying, you know, who they are is like, well, they, they, they get to do whatever they want. You respect them because they're your husband. The position that they occupy, they are, they, th that is your husband. And the Bible commands us to respect. There is no, there is no, um, there is no caveat only, because we live in a culture now that respects only if respected. Loves only if love will only do something if they do it to us. But as Christians, we're the ones that we're supposed to love unconditionally. We're the ones that are supposed to honor unconditionally. We've been talking about honor, and, and we've been talking about honoring in, in the workplace. The Bible says nothing about honoring only a just employer. It says honor even harsh ones. And so in your marriage, we're to res respect is such a big thing for men. Such a major, major thing for men. It's important that you show respect to your husband. The number one need for men is honor and respect. Men cannot meet that need themselves. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say respect your husbands the way you see it on television. That's another one. <laughs> right? He doesn't say respect your hus husbands the same way your friends respect their husbands. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say respect your husbands like your mother respected your father. Because some of us do that. You know, your mother treated your husband a certain your, your, your mother treated your father a certain way, and so we emulate that. But we are to respect our husbands. Really, he doesn't qualify it. Respect your husband, period. That's the standard the Bible gives to women. One thing I know is that men gravitate to the place where they receive honor and respect. Listen to this. This is what this is what Jimmy Evans says. Jimmy Evans, a marriage expert, if you've never heard of him, phenomenal teaching. He says, if he can only get it from work, he'll pour himself into his job. If he doesn't get respect from his wife, but does receive it from another woman, where do you think the man will turn his attention? He said, a woman has an enormous influence over, he, this is what Jimmy Evans says, he says, a woman has enormous influence over her husband's future. A lot of times, well, I don't know what my husband's doing, my husband doesn't do this, my husband doesn't do that. A woman has enormous influence over her husband's future. Make no mistake, men who are honored and respected at home tend to live up to their wives' expectations. If you want your husband to change, honor and respect him. Come on, uh, say amen to that in this Presbyterian church. right? Honor and respect him. Yeah, but my husband, he does this, he does that. If you want him to, 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 to live up to your expectations, there's nothing quicker that will do that than honor and respect. You ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Mighty man of God, raised people from the dead, incredible ministry. He grew up as uh, illiterate. Uh, he was a plumber. Uh, but his wife had gotten saved, his wife Polly. 
and his wife got so full of the love of God, she just decided, I'm going to honor my husband. And he was rough around the edges. Like, he mistreated her. He would be mean to her. He said, I'm just going to love my husband. I'm just going to love him. I'm going to honor him. She lo he locked her out of the house one night, completely locked her out of the house. And when he woke up the next morning, opened the door, she walked in whistling, made him breakfast. Hey, who, how many of you guys would do that? Right? You go, Pastor Joe, he locked me out the house. I'm, I'm out of here. Right? That, that's what you would be doing, right? Uh, you know, I, I understand. But she decided, no, 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 I'm going to honor my man. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to love on him regardless. The Bible says respect my husband. I'm going to respect him. I'm not talking about if your husband's abusing you and doing the crazy stuff. Uh, but, but he was verbally abusive. But she decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to honor him. And, you know, that turned him. That, there was something that he saw in her that, that turned him. And, man, thank God that she did that because, man, we're quoting him. We're reading his books now. He has so much influence in the body of Christ, mighty men of faith, people raised from the dead, miracles, countless miracles, all because one lady decided to take this literally and apply it. Amen. And, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying this is easy. But how many of you want to operate according to the word of God to get results like the Bible says, to see your marriage last, to see uh, your, your, your family grow and develop, to be the example in your family? One day they'll be saying, man, thank God, you know, so-and-so made it, talking about you. Just like we're talking about Pastor Henry and Marlene. I believe people will be talking about you in your marriage. Amen. And if you made mistakes and you've been divorced, hey, man, you know, Brush it off. God, receive your forgiveness. Repent. Figure out what you need to tweak. Make the adjustments. Learn to cook. No, I'm just kidding. Learn. <laughs> and one of the things, <laughs> thank God my wife knows how to cook. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Seriously, some, some people, man, some ladies, man, I'm telling you, I, I don't know how to cook. You're going to be single for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Well, I'm going to go there, but Proverbs 21, 19 says, Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. <laughs> Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. You know? And you can put husband in there, too. I mean, you, that could be swapped, whatever. Uh, but, you know... I have a critical eye, you know, just, just how I'm wired, right? My, uh, what do I mean by that? I see what's wrong and everything. I'll be sitting here watching all the ushers while I'n't preaching to you, seeing why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Why isn't this one doing here? Why isn't that clean? I, my mind is doing 50 different things while I'm up here. I'll go home, walk in the house and see what's this, what's that, what's, why isn't this here, why is this here, why is this there? And I'll just literally start tweaking, <laughs> literally just start bugging out. And, <laughs> and she's laughing. Literally, literally, uh, you know, it's just my mind. I, I'm always, how do I improve? How do I change? Where that needs to go? And, and so I need to be careful. I mean, that wears on people. That wears in a relationship. That wears. Uh, last night she was like, why are you so sweet? I was like, well, I'm preaching tomorrow about this, so I can't really be. <laughs> true story, true story. <laughs> so you're so sweet. I said, well, I'm preaching tomorrow about this. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says but God who is rich in mercy if he's like that maybe we should be like that for God who is rich in mercy mom if he's like that we need to be like that rich in mercy merciful we did a, a funeral this week Pastor Sarah and I for her uncle Uncle Dick 
some of you may know him. He's been, I don't think he's been to this building, but he was in the old, he came to the, I think the old building, and then we were at the rec center, he came. Um, good man, good man. And time and time again, all you heard about Uncle Dick throughout this whole funeral process was how kind he was, how loving he was, how, how, how he never got mad. You know, just one of those guys that just lived in the love of God. You know, I'm thinking, man, that seems impossible. Like, never got mad? Like, you never got angry? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But I believe it. Like, time, his wife said it. When his wife says it, you know, you know, it's like, man, he, she lives with him. And it was just like, man, I, I want to be more like Uncle Dick. <laughs> I'm still left. I want to be more like Uncle Dick. When he passed away, a coworker wrote, "Man, uh, uh, I've I never seen Uncle Dick mad. He was so kind to everybody, loved everybody. You know, just just was just everywhere he went, people loved him. Like, don't you want that said about you? You don't want somebody to say, yeah, they're grumpy, they're mean. You know, they'll bite your head off. You know what I mean? Like, I, nobody wants to be around people like that. And as Christians, the Bible says, how will they know us by our love for other people? That's how they're, not, not by what, how big your Bible is, not by how many times you go to church, not by how loud you pray, not by how much scripture you know, not by anything, but how you love other people. That's how people will know that you are a Christian. Come on. And the Lord told me early on with this church that we must develop. It, it, God, we will only be used as far as we develop in our love walk. You will only go as far as your love walk. Well, I got major things to do for the Lord. Yeah, but you better love people. You, you better learn how to, how to fill that love tank. You better learn how to build that reservoir of love. Because the Bible says offense will come. And if you'll fly off the handle for every little thing, God can't use you. You can't go very far. You, you'll go right here and no more. And so, man, th that's why we, we take time to teach 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8. Love is kind. Love is patient. Building ourselves. Developing in these things. Stretching. Right? To, so that we can be used to do mighty things in the kingdom of God. When people walk through here, walk through the doors that look different than us, that maybe smell different than us, that are doing different things, what are we going to, we're going to, oh, yeah. no, we're going to love on them. We're going to, we're going to open up our arms. We're going to love on them. We're going to make sure they feel uh, uh, valued and appreciated. Come on. The Lord told me two things. He said, park Ave to park bench. Park bench to park ab. Whether they're sleeping on a park bench or they're in the penthouse on park ab. And anywhere in between, this place is open to them. It ain't a black church, white church, Spanish church, rich church, poor church. No. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ open to everybody and any kind of people. Amen. And they will experience the love of God here. But that starts with you. I, it's not just my wife and I and the team. It starts with you guys. How we treat other people that walk through the doors here. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy. Somebody say, rich in mercy. You know, he asked us to forgive just seven times. Seven times 70. Man, that sounds like a tall order. But how many know God will never ask you to do something you can't do? That would be an unjust God, and he's not like that. If he's asking you to forgive seven times 70, that means you must have the ability to do it. If you're born again, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been placed in your heart, has been shed abroad in your heart. That means you have the ability to love other people. Well, you don't know what they did to me. They, I, I know what your feelings say, and I know what it feels like, and that is very real. But, man, we don't go by that. Love is a decision. Come on, amen. It may influence your feelings, but it's not a feeling. It may produce a feeling, but it's not a feeling. Love is a decision. We make a decision to love other people, whether they love or not. Brother Hagen used to say, I'm just going to walk in love whether they walk in love or not. 
That's it. We just make up our mind. Come what may, we're going to walk in love. But if you wait to the situation to decide whether you're going to walk in love, you're going to fail. Just make up your mind right now. Say, I'm going to walk in love. Whether anyone else walks in love or not. You have to make up your mind right now. And then every day, I'd make this a daily habit. Pastor Mark taught us every day you need to reinforce this. He'll, he'll call me up sometimes just ask me, hey, you reading your love scriptures? You reading your love chapters? And, and I'm like, oh, sometimes like, oh, no, I did, I forgot, you know. <laughs> and, and sometimes, oh, yeah, yes, sir, yeah, I've been doing it, yep, I've been, I've been getting in my word, I've been, I've been filling my, my tank. Uh, but this is a daily thing. You don't just renew your mind one time. This isn't a, a, an event. It's a process. You have to continually fill your tank, develop in this area, feed on these things, grow in these things. Because we know, we know, we know that offense will come. When you know a storm's coming, what do you do? You prepare. Right? So we know offense is coming, so we must prepare in this area. Amen? But God, who is rich in mercy. Romans 5.5, 5, write that down, right? For the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. All right, we'll finish up here with these last two scriptures. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have had closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Thank God there's a Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that can help us renew our thoughts and our attitudes. You're not stuck with that nasty attitude. Come on. Well, that's just who I'm Irish, or I'm Italian, or I'm this, or I'm that. I'm from New York. Listen, I got all of that going for me. But I, I, don't, I, I don't lean on that, right? Uh, my mind has been renewed. Uh, come on, I, I'm not associated with that old way of doing things. I'm not associated with my relatives uh, when it comes to this. I'm not associated with my neighborhood. None of that. I'm in Christ. Come on, I'm, in, I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are new. Come on, all the other things have passed away. Amen. Man, I like that. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. All right, verse 25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of, some of the same body. Verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's what I was telling you about not going to sleep angry, right, uh, because it gives a foothold to the devil. We don't want to give the devil an inch. You give him an inch, he takes a yard. That's just how he rolls. He'll say, well, I'm just going to hang out right here. Baloney. He'll, he'll be looking for the next door to knock down. He'll be looking for the next place to infiltrate, to control. Uh, and so don't give him an inch. Do not trust the devil. Verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work. And everything you say, be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, listen to this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, 
harsh words and slander and as all types of and and as well as all types of evil behavior verse 32 instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you you know one version says when you pray if you have aunt against any forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you Aunt against any. Aunt means any little thing. Because we often like to think the big things, right? If we have any big things against anybody, you know, I don't got no big things, but I got this little thing, uh, sister so-and-so, you know, or brother so-and-so. But aunt against any. Any little thing against anybody. The Bible says we are to forgive if we want our Father in heaven to forgive us. And, and the Bible says it will hinder your prayers. I don't, I will not, I just refuse to allow anything to hinder my prayers. I, I, I don't want to live that way. So if I make a mistake, I, I need to repent because when I pray, I need the Lord to hear my prayers. I don't want anything stopping what God is doing in my life. Nothing. No, nobody is worth God, uh, 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 the power of God stop, uh, stop moving in your life. No, nobody, no situation, no offense, no bitterness is worth God's power stopping uh, in your life. Nothing, none of it. And so, you know, uh, that's a mature way of doing things. But our flesh will, will, will just, man, will, will revel in it, will, will allow it to get bigger, will talk about it. Uh, don't yield to that nasty flesh. And, and it's easier said than done, but if your spirit is stronger than your flesh, that's when you have the upper hand. But if you ain't renewing your mind and, and you just allow your spirit to get uh, depleted and your flesh is now dominating, that's what's going to control you. Whichever one you feed the most is going to control you. Bottom line, you feed your flesh. Well, all you have to do is stop feeding your spirit and your flesh will get bigger. It, it's, not, it's not, well, if I stop, you kind of stay at the same place. You automatically start to digress. Automatically start to go backwards. You have to keep your foot on the gas. You have to keep pl plowing forward. You have to keep going, keep moving. Uh, the Bible says, do not get weary in well-doing. In due season, you shall reap. Don't get weary in doing these things. It pays off. Amen. Bible says godliness is profitable unto all things. Serving the Lord, doing things God's way is profitable in every area of your life. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. This gets better and better. My serving God is not hard. Sin is hard. The way of the sinner is hard, the Bible says. Come on, you go out and do heroin, cheat on your wife, see how hard your life gets. You go rob a bank and see how hard your life gets. Right? The way of the wicked it's hard. But man, serving God, one version says in Romans that life, life, and more life on the way. Amen. Imagine life in every area. Things just start to light up in this area, in that area. Things start to work in this area. Things start to go higher up in here. Come on, amen. Amen. That's God's plan for your life. In every area, it just starts coming up. That's what he did in my life. I was a full-blown drug addict. I mean, thief, been to jail, the whole nine gangs. Deep in that world, I wasn't just a casual pot smoker. No, I'm telling you right now, I'm selling drugs, hard drugs in that world. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, there is no better life than living for God. There is no better life. There is no better life. I've been on both sides of the fence to the extreme. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm in this. I'm, I'm in this thing, right? <laughs> and I've been in, in, in the world. I'm telling you right now, there is no better life than living for God. Amen. Not talking about religion. Not talking about what church you came from. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God, living for him, renewing your mind in the word, following the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is no better life. Amen. 
Amen. There is no better life. And I declare right now, those of you that are on the fence, I declare right now, you shall serve the Lord all the days of your life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them right now, that you'd become so real to them right now. And at the end of this service, Father, when I make the call for them to receive Christ, to serve you, Lord, that they would come forth in Jesus' name. Last scripture here. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Is it okay? I'm reading a lot of scripture here. Is that all right with you? 1 John 4, 7 to 20. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Man, anyone who does not love does not know God. Yeah, but they have a big ministry. Yeah, but if they don't love, they don't know God. Yeah, but they went to seminary. Yeah, but they don't love, they don't know God. Yeah, but they go to church. If they don't love, they don't know God. Love is the way that people will know if you know God. Love. Man. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have an eternal life through him. This is real love. Now that we love God, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that, fa that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in, living in him. And they live in God. Verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in him. So in other words, a step out of love is a step out of God. A step out of love is a step out of God. So if you find yourself out from underneath the umbrella of love, just run back underneath that umbrella as quick as you can. What do I mean? Repent quickly. You find yourself in a, a not walking in love, treating someone a way you shouldn't be treating them, saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. The quickest way to get back under that umbrella is to lift your hands. Father, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry for what I did there. You repent, you make it right, and you keep it moving. Don't allow the enemy to condemn you. Don't allow the enemy to, to heap guilt upon you. Now the Holy Spirit will convict you. You repent, you make things right, and you keep it moving. Amen. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes. Uh, where am I? Verse 17, thank you. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Listen to this, verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. You're dealing with fear? Just fill yourself full of love. Come on, the law of displacement will take place. You ever put a glass of milk, a glass with a little bit of milk in the sink and then turn the water on? The water will start to, to, to expel that milk. Next thing you know, it's all water. If you have fear in you, you just fill yourself full of the love of God. And I'm telling you, that fear will be expelled. You won't live with that fear. That fear of this, the fear of that. Come on, the love of God will, will, will correct that. Amen. The love of God. Because fear is the enemy of faith. Right? Uh, Jesse Duplantis says, faith uh, 
contaminated with, uh, what did he say, faith, yep, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Oh, it takes a little bit of fear to contaminate a whole batch of faith. Yeah, it's deadly. It is absolutely deadly. And so perfect love casts it out. If we're afraid, it's for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Amen. Father, I ask that you help us. Help us to, to walk in love. Help us to, 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 to show your love to other people. Father, we ask grace upon our lives right now, Father, to be able to walk this out, not just with mere words, but people would encounter the spirit of love when, when they encounter us. Father, strengthen us in this area. And Father, we repent right now if we have ought against any. Lord, if we uh, have offended anybody. Father, if we have been disrespectful with people we know, with our spouses, Father, we repent right now. We come before you uh, humbly, Lord, and we ask for grace in this area. Help us, Father. Holy Spirit, by your grace, we will succeed in walking in love with our fellow man. We will walk in love all the days of our lives. We make that decision right now. And I thank you, Father, that, that, that you, you will continue to strengthen us, to, to reinforce this area, and we shall see the victory. The devil will not take us out. We will not get weary in well-doing in this area. We'll be known as a church of love. We'll be known as an oasis of love. When people encounter us, we'll be known as people of love. <laughs> and people will feel accepted and know that Jesus loves them because we are loving them with that love. <laughs> we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, shout amen. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin, and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit li
www.icchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.